This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportstalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, you know, it was such a busy weekend with so many big things to talk about. For a moment there, I thought about doing a host-free Monday night because I know you got a lot to get off your chest, but then I realized this program needs some direction tonight. That's why we are here to make sure it, it stays on the rails. Phil Cornblue, Chris Bergen, Pat Daniel, hope you had a great weekend. Certainly you had a better weekend than Brad Brownell did. Oh, my goodness. Durham, Duke, ACC officials, Clemson turnovers who do you blame seriously plenty of blame to go around for that Clemson loss who do you blame well I know the easy blame the right off the top of your head right there in front of you blame the officials Clemson got called for this foul Clemson didn't get that foul etc 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 and you know there there might be some validity to all that we all know the history of every team that visits tobacco road you got to take care of your business and not put the game in the position to be determined by officials' calls because, by and large, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt, whether it's against puke or it's against the blue bellies. By and large. So if you're, if you're Clemson and you got the lead, a nice lead in the last 90 seconds, why do you turn the ball over four consecutive times? So you have to – bear the brunt of the responsibility because you allowed the game to be put in a position where officials could make a difference. You had that game, Clemson. Look in the mirror. You had that game. And you turned it over. You handed it right over to Duke. So really, you're as much to blame as the officials' calls are to blame as well. And calls can go either way. It's all subjective. And that's why you've got when you have a call, 50% of the people watching are in agreement and 50% disagree, depending on which way the call went, depending on which team you're rooting for. So you're right there with a chance to win that game and win in Durham for the first time since 1995, and you didn't take care of your business. And that's a shame because you obviously played well enough to be there to get it at the end, and you've got to close the deal in that situation. So we'll kick that around tonight. No foul language allowed, <clears throat> pun intended. Triple eight eight nine eight two five two five South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. Also for Clemson, of course, easing the pain to every Tiger fan around the world is the fact that they got three football commitments over the weekend. They'll trade four basketball turnovers for three football commitments any day of the week especially when it comes to offensive linemen, where the Tigers are making a concerted effort, a concerted effort with Matt Luke as their new offensive line coach of beefing things up on the line of scrimmage in terms of better talents, highly regarded offensive linemen. They had seven in 
for visits, <clears throat> got commitments from two, and also picked up a defensive tackle today. So we'll talk all about that as we go through the uh, recruiting report later on tonight. I mean, by now you know who those players are. We'll talk more about them when we get to our recruiting report uh, coming up a little bit later. Then you got the USC men who did take care of their business at home against Missouri to get to 17-3. and three. Still not good enough to crack the AP Top 25. They're close. They were 26th in points from the voting. 24 voters voted for the Gamecocks in the Top 25. They got Top 25 votes from 24 different voters, including one who voted them as high as ninth. That might be a bit of a stretch, but it's nice to know somebody thinks that highly of you. But 34 voters left the Gamecocks off the ballot for the top 25, so they did not quite get enough points to get into the top 25. They are 26th, and they go to play at Tennessee tomorrow night where they will be big underdogs and win that game, and you're going to be in the top 25 in the near future. Of course, you still have to go to Georgia uh, Saturday. So the Gamecocks facing a tough week of two tough road games at Tennessee and at Georgia. And then there are the South Carolina women. Went to that game as well. I was at the men on Saturday, the women on Sunday, and they just took care of their business. Just a, a little tough in the first quarter. Then they settled in. Cardoza has a, has a huge game, 23 points for her. They were feeding her Don Staley wanted her to get the basketball. They want her to be more aggressive. They want her to take it to the rim or towards the rim. And, and she did. She had a perfect fourth quarter from the field. And I'm sorry, third quarter. She didn't play in the fourth quarter. She had a perfect third quarter when she scored 13 of her 23. Didn't miss from the floor. Didn't miss from the line. So another big win. And they are still unanimous number one in the AP ranking out today. If that's not enough, of course, you got the NFL games over the weekend. Feel terrible for Detroit fans. Terrible for Detroit fans. You know, I said to myself, self, when Campbell did not go for that touchdown late in the first half, I thought to myself, he's going against his better judgment. He's going against the grain. Because he goes for it more than anybody else on fourth down. But he opted for the points. And that put them up big at halftime, but it wasn't big enough. And maybe those three points, well, obviously, as the game played on, and he opted not to go for field goals later. He needed those three points then. He needed those three points later. But you knock that in for a touchdown right before the half. You knock that in, if you can. That might have been the knockout punch, period. But for two straight games, the 49ers come back and pull one out of the fire. And, of course, what can you say about the Chiefs? They're just good. They're you know great coach, great defensive coordinator, uh, very important uh, key players who are the best in the, in the game. Uh, it is, it's just all come together for them, and they proved they could win on the road, two games in a road, as Patrick Mahone now wins a couple of playoff games on the road for the first time. So we're set for the Super Bowl. Kansas City and San Francisco. So we got all that, Chris Bergen, to kick around tonight here on Sports Talk. Where do you want to begin oh peeling the onion? Well, first off, I'll follow up on your comments about the uh, championship games yesterday. Uh, uh, you wonder if Baltimore is able to get the touchdown where the receiver catches it and he fumbles right before the goal line. Yeah. And Kansas City recovers for a touchback. How big a play that was. And, you know, you can fault 
Dan Campbell for not going for the knockout punch, perhaps, at the end of the first half. But he did go a couple of times, as you pointed out, fourth down conversions in the second half that didn't work for him. So I don't I don't know. I didn't necessarily disagree with them getting points because if you don't get anything on that late drive, then you hand some momentum, which clearly San Francisco didn't need. But you hand some momentum to them going into the locker room at halftime because that would be one of the rare stops their defense got in the first half. I thought Detroit was terrific in the first mm. half. I don't know what I don't know what happened in the second half though. They couldn't do a thing. It was almost like the two teams went in and changed uniforms and came out in the second half and San Francisco ran up and down the field and Detroit couldn't do anything. And I'm like you, I was actually, you know, not having a, necessarily a dog in the fight, but I did want to see Detroit win. I thought that would have been a cool story for the NFL. But my guess is Roger Goodell and everybody in New York is happy about San Francisco and Kansas City, plus the added bump that they'll get from nine football fans that Taylor Swift will be around for the Super Bowl. Hmm. And you know they'll wear that promotional muscle out as long as they can over the next two weeks. Well, you know what Super Bowl media day is like. It's about everything but football. Mm. And, of course, they let in, you know, quality journalists like ourselves, we can't get in. But if you happen to be some um, knucklehead with a YouTube channel that's got, uh, you know, 200,000 viewers or followers or whatever, but you know nothing about football, but you just want to go in there and ask personal questions that get clicks and and views on your YouTube channel, you're going to get in there and ask all kinds of questions about that relationship. I wonder how stringent they will be on that day with him about hands-off the questions about his personal life. Boy, that's a great question because my thinking is if you're the NFL, you want as much publicity as possible. Again, for they don't have to worry about us. The three of us are going to watch the Super Bowl where there have been the two worst teams in the NFL or perhaps the two best teams in the NFL. It doesn't matter. They don't have to appeal to us. But the every year, what, 100 and some odd million Americans watch the Super Bowl? I've always wondered what the other 200-plus million of our fellow countrymen are doing on Super Bowl Sunday not watching the game. This will help close that gap, I would think, because you're going to have people that just want to tune in just to see Taylor Swift, find out what she's doing. Find out, I think she's actually touring the night or the day before the Super Bowl in Japan, and she can fly back from Tokyo to Las Vegas in about a day's time, and she'll be there for the game. So I, I can't imagine the NFL is going to put much in terms of restrictions on Super Bowl media day as soon as Travis Kelsey takes the stand. And then she's going to Australia. I have tickets. She better not Excellent. blow Excellent. off the one Sports in Australia because I have tickets for that concert in um, Melbourne uh, right after the Super Bowl. So she better show up because, you know, put a lot of money into that trip. Uh, like okay. It. All right. So we got all that to discuss tonight. Anything else you want to bring up? Phone number 888-898-2525. Also, this afternoon, South Carolina's Board of Trustees approved a contract for Joe D. Camillus as the new special teams coordinator at South Carolina. This looks like a great hire. You know how much Shane Beamer, the emphasis he puts on special teams and special teams hires. He hired uh, Pete Limbo to be that guy, to be the special teams coordinator. Obviously, that paid off for them in a great, great way. And now he's gone off and hired Joe T. Camillus, who for his entire career, except last year, has coached nowhere but the NFL. Nine different NFL teams, special teams coordinator at each stop. Last year, he worked with Steve Sarkeesian 
as a special assistant to him at the University of Texas. He won two Super Bowl rings, one with Denver and one with the Rams. He's also the son-in-law of the late Dan Reeves. So he's got personal ties to USC via Dan Reeves. And he'll be coming on for three years at $800,000 per season, and he'll have various incentives built into the contract as well. So there you go. The staff now at South Carolina is back whole once again, barring any other uh, departures at some point in time here. So this looks like a very good hire, and it shows, again, uh, Chris, the the emphasis that Beamer puts on special yeah. teams, how he views it as uh, as important as any other part of his football team. Well, and again, he taps into that NFL pipeline. He appears to want coaches who have that NFL coaching experience, whether it be head coach, assistant coach, or whatever. And that is something I think Shane Beamer always looks for when he's trying to hire somebody. And he actually brings in a guy who's going to be by far the oldest coach on their staff. I mean, here's a guy that was born back in 1965. So, you want to talk about a veteran to lead on, and I'm guessing that's part of the reason they handed off that associate head coach title to him directly as opposed to some of the other guys who have been on the staff for a couple of years. You bring in a new guy, and voila, he's, I guess, took over exactly the same title, right, that Pete Limbo had. Correct, correct, yeah. yeah. And Limbo, I think, was the oldest mm-hmm. head on the staff as well. So. You know, those guys, you, you lean on them and you, you look for some uh, advice from time to time, sort of a sounding board sort of thing, and that's what you're getting here as well. Uh, he, D. Camillus, did not play football in college. He wrestled at the University of Wyoming where he was an All-American and finished eighth in the 1988 Division I Wrestling Championships. How about that? Did not play college I remember football. well. Yeah. That, that is unusual. You don't normally see coaches, whether it be basketball, baseball, or football, did, did not actually play the sport. And certainly someone who has been as successful as he has been, coaching at the highest level for so long to be able to do so. And, and when players ask, all right, coach, how did you handle this when you played? Oh, well, you know, I'd just throw the guy down and try and pin him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He can show them how to be physical. <laughs> There's no doubt. And how to do the uh, Johnny Weaver roll or something like that, you know, the abdominal stretch. Uh, I guess he doesn't do the professional moves. I guess they have more scientific yeah, no, no names. No steel chair. Yeah, yeah no steel yeah, chair. Yeah. All right, uh, phone number 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number for you. Here on Sports Talk to uh, join us tonight on the program, let's go ahead and take some phone calls, get your reaction to what went on over the weekend and we'll drop in some other news notes for you as well in fact here's one that i'm seeing kind of interesting lsu's athletic department reported a four million dollar deficit despite national championships in women's basketball and baseball the department reported 200 million in revenue and 204 million in spending hmm there you go interesting Interesting indeed. So, okay, I guess there you go. You would think LSU would be just flowing in money. You would. And where does all that TV money go? I mean, how does, you know, getting that $60 million check, whatever it is right now, going to go up to about 70 or $80 million, you would think that alone could uh, keep any athletic department in the SEC from dropping into the red. Uh, are they overpaying their coaches? Does it have to do with expenditures for 
improvements around their athletic facilities. I don't know how much money they've been spending on their stadiums, their auditoriums, their arenas, and all that kind of stuff. Um, they do pay their coaches very well, but I don't think that alone, I don't think the coaches' salaries alone would be enough to knock you in the red like that. It must be some other expenditures in there, Pat. It's got to be those air-conditioned helmets they got, those fancy new football helmets. <laughs> maybe that's the reason. Maybe that, maybe a little NIL, maybe a little recruiting, $100 handshakes here and there. Who knows? Now, see, this is where you got to – how is NIL going to figure in to a department's um, budget? I mean, is it totally outside of an athletic department's budget? Uh, is it – do the collectives uh, – live in an in an area where that money doesn't mix with the money that comes into the department how do you account for that how do you show that to the irs etc cetera, etc cetera? i'm sure there are people who have answers to that question uh i don't have an answer to that question but i'm sure there are people who do pat i've got actually something here reading an article so the total revenues for lsu last year was oh my gosh $199,110,999. The expenses were $204,351,240. These are insane numbers. So that in, that was an overall shortfall of roughly three, just below $3.9 million, which is nearly $2 million more in the red than, the, than uh, last year's deficiency was of just under $2 million. And this shows the biggest change came from football, which increased revenues after expenses from about $35.7 million in the 2022 fiscal year to $54 million in the, 2020, or the fiscal year 2023, an $18.3 million swing. The boost stemmed from increases in ticket sales, contributions, media rights, conference distributions, bowl revenues, but a decline in expenses tied mostly to coaching salaries. So you did mention the salaries there. This was showing... Uh, in 2022, the total needed from the Tiger Athletic Foundation was $15 million more, mostly due to football coaching staff changes. The spike occurred in 2022 due to the coaching change in football and multiple staffs being paid. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is just getting repetitive at this point, saying the same thing over and over. But essentially, yeah, those contra- those uh, new contract for the coaches did play a large role. All right, Who's running that athletic department? The federal government? Good grief. Mm. I mean, come on. You had almost $200 million, and then you spend more than that? Yeah, if I'm LSU fans, I'd like to know where that money is going that we're donating, that they're running into red with that kind of revenue that's coming in. And bas- no sense. Basketball as well here, they had a roughly $1.3 million excess from, 20, uh, from the year before to this year as well. So both football and basketball overall had, let's see here, even though they independent, how am I going to say this? So all sports except men's basketball and football lost millions. So those are the two money makers. But men's basketball and football both did have significantly higher expenses this past year than before. All right, to the phones we go. Triple eight eight nine eight two five two five South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number for you. And first up tonight, leading the way will be. Gamecock Larry over in Swansea. Gamecock Larry, welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? I'm doing just fine, Mr. Phil, Pat, Mm -hmm. and Chris. But let me tell you something. What a week for the Gamecocks. Well, first we'll start off with a tennis team winning three games. 
Then we'll go to the men's basketball. They beat Kentucky and they beat Missouri. And that was 2-0, and and then Clemson lost, so that made them 3-0. Mm. And I'll take the women's basketball. They beat the oh yeah, LSU. I'm going to tell you where that deficit is on LSU staff after I get through. Okay. The women they beat LSU in basketball, and they beat Vanderbilt. That was 2-0, and and Tennessee lost, so that make them 3-0. So all together, not counting that, are just nine and zero. Mm. My my dragster team and my motocross team is getting ready to go to go down to Orlando, and they're gonna show them how to what it is in twenty twenty four. Now y'all didn't they run in the to, uh, you weren't racing in the twenty four hours uh, of Rolex Daytona whatever over the weekend. You didn't run down that thing. <laughs> No, they going. We going. I'm going with them. They got my wheelchair ramp in. They got my wheelchair ramp in that uh, in that uh, dragster. Mm. I told them I wasn't gonna do no motocross because if I ain't got four wheels, I ain't gonna get on it. I don't blame you. So they're gonna put me in the dragster. Now let me tell you, I'm trying to figure out how in the world. Uh, LSU came out of them, all them millions of dollars. Okay. The only thing I can think of, I can't think of too much, but it would, I don't think it would cost that much. Try to, I, I ain't going to talk about old Kim. I ain't going to talk about Kim. I'm going to let Kim go. Okay. I, I ain't going to talk about it. I ain't going to say nothing else. But I'm telling you. Are you suggesting, without saying it, are you suggesting that their expenses went up to you know, do they something with her looks they, or her attire or, you know, anything? No, uh, yes, sir. I'll tell you what, most of that went to that uh, Ric Flair attire. She liked to wear all them things. She come out there with that grin on her face and hugging Don's neck and all that, mm-hmm. whispering in her ear. Mm-hmm. But, boy, we put it to them. The Gamecock ladies put it to them. And, uh, yes, sir, but... It's called we well I out of the last ninety two games the latest basketball ninety two games eighty nine and three it's pretty good out of the last ninety two mm-hmm. eighty nine and three mm-hmm. and we gonna go all the way it, I, I'm telling you we might. I might, I might be able to watch baseball. But I'm, I can watch three national championships this coming year if the good Lord would it. Go Gamecocks. Talk to you later. Love all y'all. Crimson. Don't know. I don't want to hear you say no more. You didn't give the game to them. The referee didn't cause you to lose. You lost that game. I play well. Yeah, you did. You gave it to him. Go game, Kyle. Thank you, Larry. Larry had to stick that in there. By the way, one of the uh, ACC uh, honorees this week is Duke's guard, Jared McCain, ACC Rookie of the Week. Had a big week and, of course, really hurt Clemson in that game Saturday. So, uh, just a little something else coming out of that that game that uh, I got to believe Brad Brownell 
probably has not suffered a more disappointing loss in his career at Clemson. Maybe you look at one of the postseason losses the year. Maybe they got to the Sweet 16. You're trying to get to the Elite Eight. That's highly disappointing you lose that. But in terms of regular season losses, this one's got to rank right at the very top, this one on Saturday. Georgia Tech a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that's just – that's annoying. That's That's a game you had won had you you handled it the right way at the end. See, that's part of the issue here with with Brad Brownell. They've had too many losses over the years where you say if they had just handled it Mm -hmm. better. And now you have to wonder, you know, how is Clemson going to recover? they got a bad Louisville team at 9 o'clock tomorrow night. Are they going to recover and get back on a winning run here and reestablish themselves as solidly in the NCAA tournament? They're – the, the net, I've seen a lot of stuff on our Twitter over the weekend. Yeah, we, because we've got to figure this out. You can't figure out the net. <laughs> How can you figure out? My point is they weren't hurt decisively in right. the net as a result in terms of their number. Be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Phil Cornblue, Chris Berg, and Pat Daniel. I'll be in Knoxville tomorrow night, South Carolina, Tennessee, 6.30 tip-off in Knoxville. That's a great place to watch a basketball game. You ever done a game at that big arena? I've not done a game there. I actually have been in there for a basketball game, Carolina and Tennessee, many, many, many moons ago. But mm-hmm. Yeah, Thompson Bowling Arena is a, a nice place. Yeah, yeah, it really is. They built that facility. They built that big enough so it would be larger than what Kentucky had. They wanted to be a little bit bigger than Rupp Arena when they built Rupp Arena, so they made this one twenty two something. I guess Rupp seats like twenty something, twenty two something. It's huge. It's massive. And, Hard place uh, to play, just especially like, for USC. Oh yeah. Haven't won there since what, twenty seventeen? Yeah, their I final think. four year. Yeah. Yep. We'll see if this team is capable. Um, Lamont Paris said today that Studi will be able to play tomorrow night. He was close. He said after the game Saturday that he was close, and now he said today that he would be able to play. That shoulder apparently is back in shape. So the question is, do you go back to him in the starting lineup, or do you go with what's been working since he went out? I don't think you run him out in the starting lineup. I think you let him play some against Tennessee because they're going to be physical, so you get a pretty good gauge as to what he can handle. But, no, I don't think you tinker with the starting lineup at all. It has worked extremely well since he's been injured. And that was even, if you're a Gamecock fan, the more encouraging thing about Saturday's win over Missouri, you did so without anything from Michi Johnson. Yes. I mean, one steal, three assists, but he was 0 of 9 from the field. I mean, he's not going to shoot like that very often. And for them to be able to find a way to win and win relatively easily, that, that being said, keeping in mind that Missouri came all the way back early second half, but then they were able to push the lead back out and hold on. But to be able to win that game without anything from Michi Johnson has to be an encouraging sign for Lamont Paris and his team. And speaking of injuries, has anybody – I've never heard him say, does anybody know the status of Ibrima Diba? He's never talked about. Uh, I don't think he's ready to play coming off that Achilles. Uh, going into the season, he said he wasn't 100%. They were hoping right. to bring him along and get him some floor time. But nobody he's ever asks about now. it. I'll be happy yeah. to ask about it next time I get a, an opportunity because, to make quite it frankly, while. 
Gamecock fans don't know this because unless you follow Coastal, you didn't see him play, but their best defender, decide what you're seeing now, their best defender is still sitting on the bench. Mm-hmm. Because if they could ever get Ebo into the contest, I mean, you're going to be impressed with what he can do on the defensive end. He's not going to score a whole lot, but he will distribute the basketball and give you spot minutes and certainly be a terrific on-ball defender. I mean, the guy's 6'6 with long arms. I mean, he can defend like crazy. I just, I, I was hoping to get a chance we'd be able to see him play this year, but as the season continues to wear along, I don't know that it's going to happen. All right, phone number 888-898-2525. Back to your calls in just a second. I want to mention a couple of other things that are uh, important today, things that have uh, have come down that's uh, worth discussing. Of course, baseball season is right around the corner, and uh, we got things happening there with um, All-American teams and things like that. And uh, I want to tell you that we had the preseason uh, ranking come out today as well from uh, Baseball America, and uh, Baseball America ranked Clemson in the preseason at number nine, and they ranked uh, South Carolina at number 12, I think it is, and they mm-hmm. ranked Coastal Carolina, I'm going by memory here, ranked 19th. Coastal Carolina at 19, thank you. Uh, D1 Baseball, preseason All-Americans, uh, USC catcher Cole Messina, first team, USC outfielder Ethan Petrie, first team, Clemson outfielder Cam Canarella, First team, Coastal Carolina catcher Caden Bodine. Bodine or Bodin? Bodine. Bodine, third team. College of Charleston utility player Cole Mathis, third team. Former USC offensive line coach Eric Wolford, who's been at Alabama, is returning to Kentucky as their offensive line coach. So always in great demand is Eric Wolford, always going to have a place to coach. He's that highly regarded. See where Jimmy Williams, one-time Braves, um, was he ever manager of the Braves after Bobby Cox? Or he went to Toronto. He left Bobby Cox, went to Toronto, right, and was manager up there. He passed away today at the age of, uh, he was born in 1943, so he would have been, wow, he would have been 50, uh, yeah, about, what, 80? 80, possibly 81. 57 and 24, about 81. You said he was born in 53, right? 43. 43, then yeah, that'd be 80 would be last year. So like yeah. Chris said, maybe right. 81 at the oldest. He never managed the Braves, though, did he? He was on Bobby so. Cox's staff for a long time, right? Right. And then he went to Toronto where he was. He made his fame up there. Oh, our poll question of the week, by the way. Poll question of the week, we got to get to that. Uh, our poll question of the week has to do with Clemson's season-opening football game at Georgia. And, you know, you can find odds on that game. FanDuel has odds on that game out, and Clemson is getting 12.5 points. The over and under for that game was set at um, was set at forty-eight and a half. So you you can have Clemson with twelve and a half points, or you can play the the over under at forty-eight and a half. So uh, what would be your what would as of today, knowing what you know about the teams, what would be your play, Chris? What would be your play? Would you take the points? Give the points under over. I think I take Georgia in the points right now, just knowing what I know about the uh, two football teams. 
considering the way – and, again, it's, it's hard to equate what Georgia did in the Orange Bowl against Florida State considering there were so many players that didn't show up. But I just think Georgia may come into this upcoming season like they need to play with a chip on their shoulder, and that would be a really good way for them to make a statement early in the season. Plus, even as close as Clemson is to Atlanta, that's a Georgia town. That's going to be a Georgia home game for them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think I'd take Georgia in the points. I'm th- what are you thinking, Pat? You got a decision on that? No, you don't. I would take the uh, under. I think you're going to have two great defenses out there. Yeah. Now, I think you're going to see something in the lines of uh, whoever wins is going to be in the low 20s. Whoever loses is probably going to be in the teens. Might be like 21 to 14 or 21 to 17, something like that. I think it's going to be a pretty low-scoring game, to be honest with you, as things stand right now. So you can vote. I got to give you the results. The results so far, 405 votes in today. 62.2% 62.2% are taking Georgia, 18.3% are taking Clemson, 14.1% are taking the under, and 5.4% are taking the over. So you got plenty of time to get in there and vote and have your opinion count on our poll question of the week. That's why we need to save once this week is done sort of throw it in the archives and remember to bring it back up the week of the game mm-hmm. and see how accurate we are here in January about a game that won't take place until, what, September? First week into September? Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Excellent point. Let's get back to your phone calls. We appreciate your calls. 888-898-2525 is the phone number to reach us here on the program as we go to Bruce in Missouri. With us next on Sports Talk, Bruce, welcome in. It's good to have you with us. Well, Phil, it's an honor to follow Gamecock Larry as a colleague. Hard to follow what Gamecock Larry to, to match. What an honor mm. it is. Yeah. I'm sorry to say, Gamecock Larry, you didn't see the game that, uh, at Duke. And when they threw the ball into the uh, uh, Tiger basketball player at the end of the game, he got hatchet on his arm, and the guy grabbed the ball out of his head. It came out of his hand, and the guy grabbed the ball in the air after he knocked the guy almost off his feet to get the ball and ran down and made, made the, guy, made the uh, shot. They didn't call it. And I go back to, I think it was two years ago, Phil, when y'all had a, a referee on, football referee, and he just said, let them play the game. Just let them play the game. Don't call them. Just let them play the game. That guy was off his damn rocker. I wouldn't have him calling the game anywhere. Just let them play the game. And that's what's going on with sports today. There is no sportsmanship going on. It's a hatchet game. Every sporting event is a hatchet game. And it's, it's really depressing to see this crap going on. Look at what happened yesterday. To the top, uh, um, four of the top teams playing. And look what they did. It was nothing but a, I mean, you couldn't call that kind of stuff. You wouldn't believe what happened if I told you that was going to happen. But it did happen. That guy didn't cross the goal line with the football field. What the heck is that? Hmm. I tell I'm you, just saying, I'm it's like, a sick game. I, well, it's a sick game. When I saw that, I thought to myself, <laughs> I am so sick and tired. So sick and tired of players stretching for the goal line and losing the football. Now, I think the percentage is in the favor. Percentages probably say you're going to score more often than not when you do that. 
you're going to break the plane and get the touchdown. But one fumble in that situation is one too many. If I were a coach, I am coaching my guys not to do that. I would rather be down at the half-yard line with you cradling the football, properly carrying the football, and taking that risk out of it, and get tackled at the one or the half, and live to play another down or a couple of downs with a chance to knock it in, versus you stretching it out. You might make it, but I'm seeing too many guys fumble the ball through the end zone for a touchback and costing a touchdown. And that happened, of course, with Baltimore yesterday. It's happened repeatedly. Happens all the time at all levels of football. I don't. I, I don't know why. Are they coaching that? Is that being coached no. to tell these guys to stretch for the goal line? To no, it's the players. They don't have the mentality to finish the game. That's the whole point. And they're flopping on the court every every game you see. They're flopping, flopping, flopping mm. to win the game mm-hmm. to call a foul against the other opponent. It's a fake flop. That's going on all over the place. This it's a sick uh, game. That's what it is. Mm. Sick game. Mm. I'm tired of watching it. That's just driving me crazy. Just I mean, the, the referees don't see it because they're too close to the game. But we see it. We we and they played the replay. Yeah, they flopped them. They didn't touch them. Mm-hmm. They just flopped. So you know, it's just this it's habit. It's just not a a re- original game anymore. All right, Bruce. Thank you very much. How you feel about that, Chris, as far as guys stretching for the goal line like that? And, uh, I mean, I know most of the time nothing bad happens, but it's that time that it does happen that it always seems to happen at the worst time for you, that you lose the ball like that and you cost your team a touchdown. Well, and to answer your question about our guys being coached to do this, my guess is no. They're being coached to protect the football and, and to keep it close to your body, not stretch it away where you have less control over the football. And I agree with you. I'd much prefer to have second down and a yard to go from the one as opposed to first and ten. My defense is back out there at the 20, and you're trying to score. It's, chances are Baltimore was going to punch it in on the next play, just turn and either let Lamar Jackson run it in or – hand it off to Gus Johnson, let him run it in. Mm-hmm. But uh, Gus Edwards, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, Gus Johnson would have called it, I guess, not not run it in. But, yeah, no, I agree with you. I'd, I'd much prefer them protect the football at all costs because we're seeing that happen. And it may not happen all that often, as you pointed out, but, boy, when it does happen, it's so obvious that it just – and it totally took the momentum away from anything the Ravens had going yesterday when that occurred. All right, thanks for the phone call. 888 898 is our phone number. We'll continue with phone calls after this upcoming break on Sports Talk. We'll have some comments for you from Shane Beamer coming up. He met with the media during halftime of the basketball game on Saturday to kind of update some things with uh, his program. And at that point in time, he could not talk about who he was about to hire, though it had been reported earlier in the day on Saturday that he was going to be hiring the person that he ended up hiring. But we'll have that for you nonetheless, and we'll be back after the break. We're with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer is hunting season in South Carolina this fall, and folks need to be prepared from a legal standpoint. That's right, Phil. Everyone always needs to buy their hunting license or fishing license. Everyone always worries about losing their license. Well, now that's not a problem anymore because you can keep your license on your phone. That's right. Go Outdoors SC. It's an app. Look for it on your Apple or Android devices. You can buy your license. You can renew your boat registration, and it's all right there on your phone. Remember, Go Outdoors SC in your app store. 
I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. When trouble comes like the accidents do, we all get sick and the bills pile too. There's only one number that can help see you through. And if you're healthy, here's what you should do. Call 605-7905. That's the number that you need to know. 605-7905. Zero dollar deductible. What's a deductible, you say? That's the price you have to pay before the insurance will say we'll help you. They keep that number out of reach because they know that you won't reach that number because they know you're healthy. 605-7905. Zero dollar deductible. 605-7905. 727 is the area code. Something else I have mentioned on this Clemson loss at Duke that really stumped me as well, guys. God, it's just hard to believe. Poor Ian Shefflin, who's played so well for Clemson. Four turnovers and a couple of fouls in the last two minutes. You're Clemson. You've got a four-point lead and the ball with two minutes to go. But even then, with everything that happened, you get the two free throws by P.J. Hall with seven seconds to go to go up by a point at uh, 71-70, and you have one timeout left, and Duke has zero timeouts left, and you called a timeout. Brad Ronell. Yeah, I thought that was a bad decision, Called too. a timeout, yeah. Same. I'm thinking, why, why do you give Duke the opportunity to set a play versus being forced to scramble down the, down the court? I know the comeback answer is, well, want to set my defense, want to get my defense right. Yeah, I You've hear got that. your guys at the foul line. You can talk to them because PJ's the only one that needs to actually be there. You can Correct. talk to your other four guys and say, when he makes this second one, full court press. Mm-hmm. You don't need to call a timeout for that. You've got a veteran team. They should understand this stuff. 
Plus, you do that in Coach, practice all the time. I would think exactly. you, already, you already know last minute of the game, last second of the game, whatever, you already know your defensive settings there. Coaches micromanage these guys way too much and don't let them just go play and understand. And, and to that end as well, Phil, though, Duke had 25 free throw attempts in the second half and shot free throws on seven of their last 12 possessions. I can understand why Brad Brownell was a little upset at the officiating. Plus, the technical foul yeah. that Jack Clark got in the first half. Now, that was Come ridiculous. I, I mean, <laughs> I'll give you that. Ridiculous. That was absolutely ridiculous. Now, I saw some photos, some snapshots of a couple of those calls on Shefflin that people were contending shouldn't be fouls. And, but then, you know, look, he had his arms up in the air, but if you look closely, he's leaning in over Filipowski or whoever he was covering down inside. He wasn't straight up. He had his arms over the person he was covering and making contact. I guess when the shooter went up, when the player went up, made contact. I mean, it's the rule's very specific, right? You've got to have your arms straight up. Yep. You cannot be leaning in over. And this, again, this was on Twitter, people going back and forth with the argument. Look at this, look at that, look at this. And I could see where you could say that he was not guarding correctly and why he would be called for a foul in in that case um you know you got to be so you got to be so careful Clemson had everything going their way they had the lead they had the ball uh they fouled out Filipowski so they had a lot of things going their way there and they just basically gave it right back to Duke in a game that they had in their back pocket they need to win yep no, they needed to win all right let's go to Hank in Columbia Hank welcome to sports talk on this Monday night good to have you with us hey Corn. You know, uh, I normally try to always uh, point out some of the contradictions in some of our, our thinking sometimes as we compare uh, the athletes of the day mm-hmm. with uh, the adults. And, and I'm going to go back to something from, from weeks ago. It, uh, isn't the Kentucky coach, isn't Stoops like one of the longest tenure coaches in the SEC now? Yes. Okay. Now, you know, there was a big deal made out a couple of weeks ago about Edmonds coming back to South Carolina. Remember that? Yeah. Yes, about and Gilbert Wolford. Edmonds transferring back. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Now, well, 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 hang on, hang on. Wolford. When you say a big deal, hang on. When you say a big deal, explain what you mean by big deal. I mean criticism. Well, I remember, or? we were like, "Well, should they?" Well, it was kind of I don't hurt to say criticism, but it was speculation that you know, why, well, should he let him come back, and you know, should a player go out and come back? Mm-hmm. Uh, and looks like, and remember, and I, I had indicated that, that I think Edmonds had more to do with uh, some family stuff than the money. But there are some people that always were, were saying there were some people calling in, talking about the money. Mm-hmm. But Wolford went to Alabama from Kentucky, right? Correct. <laughs> and he, he took more money, obviously, to go to Alabama, right? <laughs> Just shows you how valuable he is in the minds of head coaches. <laughs> And then when Alabama, when he was available because Alabama's situation changed, he went back to Kentucky. So I just always tell us, we sometimes we try to hold, we hold the kids the stuff we won't hold the adults to. Yeah. Well, personally, my personal opinion on Edmund was I was surprised he's coming back to South Carolina. But after hearing more of the story and the fact that he left on good terms, this wasn't something where he stormed out on Shane Beamer and the team. He left on good terms, yeah. and he had a family issue going on and needed to be dealt with, be closer to his home down there in Florida. And 
he did the right thing the way he ran it through Beamer to come back, and Beamer ran it through the leaders of his team about bringing mm-hmm. him back. So they checked all the boxes there properly before they made a move. Yeah, and I'm and, and I'm just saying, yeah, you know, all that has to be gone through for through the athlete. But you know, these coaches say, hey, this guy left, you know, because. And Alabama gave a three or four hundred thousand dollar raise, you know. Now that Alabama's not an option, he comes right on back. Mm-hmm. Players don't even have players don't even have a, a vote in that. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yep. So I, I just wanted to point that out there. Good point. <laughs> good point. Good pointing there, Hank. Hank, yeah. <laughs> very good pointing. Uh, Pat's got something to point out as well. Well, just to add to what Hank's saying too, because now he got me curious about the longest tenured coaches in the SEC. Mark Stoops is now, by the if, if what I'm reading here is right, the longest tenured coach in the SEC after the retirement of Nick Saban. Stoops has been there since 2013, and then Kirby Smart is the second longest at. He's been at Georgia since 2016. Every other coach in the SEC, including the new additions Oklahoma and Texas, have all been hired since 2020. How about that? That's, yeah. Im- that's impressive. There are only two coaches in the SEC that have been there for longer than since 2020. And makes you wonder, going into 24, are there any coaches on the true hot seat? Clark Lee, maybe at Vanderbilt, because you're on the hot seat after about every third or fourth year at Vanderbilt. Um, but especially after they were going to win the SEC last year, according to the media poll, and they didn't come close. Yeah, you would think <laughs> his job would be in jeopardy, right? Somebody did vote them to win, didn't they? <laughs> they sure did. Yeah, yep. yeah. Anybody else around the league? You think, any Because you got so many new faces, and then the established guys are established. They're not. Sam they're not Pitt, going Sam anywhere. Pittman's the only one I can think of. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Agreed. And if Billy Napier doesn't get it going, yeah, big he's another one at Florida. Yeah. I don't know that they'll make a move, but they'll they'll be very much on his back if he doesn't get it going big. All right, thank you for the phone call, Hank, and we will hit this break. We'll come back with more of your phone calls, so don't go away. Those of you holding, hang in there. We'll get to you right after the top of the hour break. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Phil Kornblut, Pat Daniel here in Columbia. Chris Bergen from the Bergy Palace in uh, Sardis, but uh, he's going to enjoy one more night in the comfy confines but then you're off on an arduous uh, road trip, are you not? <laughs> I am. We uh leaving late tomorrow afternoon to head to uh, James Madison, play the Dukes on a Thursday, and then travel across the mountain, head over to Huntington, West Virginia, to face Marshall on Saturday. And then come back home right after Marshall uh, late Saturday night on into early Sunday morning. I'll probably get back here into the uh, Bergie Palace about, oh, I don't know, 4 o'clock Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Fun times. Okay. And who's going to take care of uh, Finn and family? Ah, Heidi will be here. Mm-hmm. So, got the missus. Uh, mommy will be here taking care of uh, Finn, and he'll be thrilled. <laughs> He's a mama's boy anyway, so he'll be happy. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, you have safe travels. At least uh, you guys Thank got you. a win on Saturday. Yeah, played well. Second half especially. Uh, Benny Moss made a couple of tweaks to his lineup during the Southern Miss game on Wednesday. Didn't work out ultimately for a win, but I think he saw 
enough that he liked in that lineup and inserted both Kevin Easley and Ian Granja into the starting lineup. Granja getting his first start. Easley had started earlier in the year and out of the lineup for a little while and then came back and uh, he exploded. He had a great game. Uh, mm-hmm. Easley did, and it was enough. They down 13 in the second half, came all the way back, tied it late, and they won it in overtime. Those are a lot of fun to call. They really are. Oh, no question. No question. All right, uh, phone number 888-898-2525 is our phone number. Let's get back to your phone calls. Everything is lit up, so let's get to as many calls as we can. We'll hear from Shane Beamer, and, of course, we'll go over the recruiting as Clemson picked up a pair of offensive linemen and a defensive tackle as well over the last couple of days. Jamie in Hilton Head with us next here on Sports Talk. Good evening, Jamie. Good to have you with us. How are you, sir? Terrific. Good, good. Listen, I want to talk to you about a couple of things. Um, first of all, this Clemson basketball. Now, I know Duke was a good team and all that. I get all that. But I just I just really I think Brad Brownell has taken the program as far as he can take it. You know, I think Brad Brownell's a good guy, and he in some aspects is a good coach. But it's just, you know, they have so many disappointing losses. This is a good team. This is his team. This is the team that's supposed to do it right here. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, I I think everybody said we're solidly in the NCAA tournament, and we may be, but there's still work to be done. You know, it's not going to be an easy schedule on the way on, down the stretch. I see several more losses. Well, you, the, the, the schedule is not um, easy at all, as you consider. You should beat Louisville, but then you got Virginia. And Virginia is just right. the kind of team that gives you trouble because it'll be a low-scoring game and critical possessions down the stretch. And that can can Clemson handle it? Then a trip to North Carolina, then a trip to Syracuse, which hey, you know it's Syracuse. And then Miami comes to town. NC State comes to town. Those are all good teams. Those are all good games. Then you got Georgia Tech, Florida State, and Pitt, and Notre Dame, not all so good teams. So there might be some wins. In those four games, two at home and two on the road, and then a home game against Syracuse and a trip to Wake Forest, which is pretty good. So, um, oh my goodness, I, I forgot know. the tournament this year is in New York. I just, I just don't know. But you also ACC talk about tournament. SEC, yeah. SEC coaches on the hot seat. Yeah. How I'm, I'm not trying to ruffle no feathers, but how could you leave Shane Beamer out? Well, we were just talking about that in the uh, off air. In fact, Pat was uh, thinking that Shane Beamer might be one under the gun if the Gamecocks don't have a uh, – well, what would you consider to be a satisfactory season if this team – against this schedule, they're going to be playing if they win seven games and go to a bowl, and regardless of what they do, but let's just say win seven games and win a bowl game, go eight and five, that would probably be pretty satisfactory for South Carolina. Probably so, but it, but I think it's also a pipe dream for South Carolina too. Well, it might be. I mean, the schedule's tough. But here is the question: I mean, when do you, as fans, when do you expect to 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 make a playoff? Twenty twenty four. This is Gamecock fans. I'm saying, when do you expect to make a playoff? Twenty twenty four, twenty twenty five, twenty twenty six. How many years do you go well, expecting to make a playoff? I don't see it on the horizon for Shane Beamer's team. Because Clemson fans um, are expecting the playoff from Clemson this year, right? They're expecting to make the playoff. 
And well, yeah, but and here's the thing: you don't have to necessarily. We were talking about the Georgia game earlier. You don't have to necessarily beat Georgia to no, do that. No, you don't. No. But they do expect have, Clemson fans do expect to make the playoffs every year, without exception. Whether it was four teams or now twelve, they expect now to make the playoffs. That's what he has built. That's what Sweeney has built, and the right. fans expect that. That's right, and, and and I welcome those expectations. And you wouldn't be much of a competitor if you didn't. And Sweeney welcomes those expectations too. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. I welcome them. I'm, I'm sure in Beamer's you know, in Beamer's world. And thank you for the call, Jamie. Great hearing from you. You know his expectations are to make the playoffs. Yeah, you know, he's a competitor. He wants to win every game and. And, and get South Carolina to the playoff, guys. But that schedule is daunting. I mean, tough. You got to go to Kentucky. Your two easiest, you say easiest, your two easiest SEC road games are what? Kentucky and Vanderbilt. Because you're going to have to go to Oklahoma and you are going to have to go to, who's the other one? Um, Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> and Clemson. Yeah, yeah. And uh, oh, and Ole Miss is coming to town, and Missouri. You got to play Missouri, and yeah, know. I got it right in front of me. Old Dominion, then Kentucky, LSU, Akron, but then Ole Miss, Alabama, Oklahoma, back to back. A and M right there after them after a bye week. Then Vanderbilt, Missouri, Wofford, and Clemson to finish up. So the back end, I think, is a little easier. But I mean, Missouri after the way they were this past year, are are they are they going to be any easier? I mean, almost their you, whole you, offense you, comes back next South year. South Carolina can't assume anything with Missouri. You're not better than Missouri. That quarterback is back. They do lose the running back who was outstanding, right? He he was a one year transfer D two guy. Um, but Missouri's beaten them on such a pretty regular basis that you can't say you can just beat Missouri. I mean, it's a winnable game, right? And it's in uh, it's in Columbia this year, right? Yeah, correct. Because yeah, I went yep. out there last year. It's South in Carolina, Columbia this Columbia. year. Yeah, the the Columbia. That's right. So, um, yeah, it's uh, you know, if they if they get seven, do you see seven wins? Where do you see seven wins on that schedule? And Chris, feel free to jump in here. For me, just going through it, and Phil, you and I about a month ago went through this we and did, did a little mm-hmm. exercise where thinking realistically, how many opponents on South Carolina's schedule next year have a realistic expectation of making or chance of making the playoff. And going through it again, Kentucky, I don't think we thought they were. But LSU, yes, so that's one. Going down, Ole Miss, I think all three of us, feel free to chime in here. Do we think Ole Miss is a realistic chance at the playoff next year? I say yes. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so that's two. Alabama, three. Even without Saban, do we we give Alabama a shot probably? Yes. Okay, so three. (laughs) Uh, Oklahoma? Yes. Four. Texas A&M? Question mark. Okay, so we'll leave it at four. Mm-hmm. Vanderbilt, no. Missouri, I would say yes. Might maybe fringe. Yeah, I'd say borderline. Okay, possible. So, so four for certain. They did win what eleven this past year, ten or eleven, right? And then yeah. beat Ohio State in the bowl game. Yeah, and then Wofford, no. Clemson, yeah, yeah. So that's five for sure. Mm-hmm. And then we have Missouri and A and M as mm-hmm. maybes. Yeah. So you're looking at between five and seven. So roughly half of your opponents on the season have realistic expectations of making the playoff. And the reason why, just to expand real quickly on why I think that I, that Beamer is on the hot seat is just trying to read between the lines of his uh, recruiting approach this season, some of the changes he has made, some of the folks he's gone after. We kept hearing about after the loss of Spencer Rattler to the NFL draft, the assumed starter for next year would be Lenora Sellers. But South Carolina, there were reports that they were welcoming in lots of 
pretty big name, highly regarded transfer portal quarterbacks from around the country came in here. Now, none of none of those big ones seem to actually commit here, but uh, but just looking at that made makes me at least personally think that Beamer is coaching as if he has to win next year. He does not have time to let Lenora Sellers grow and grow within that offense. He needs somebody that's able to come in next year and immediately lead them to at least a playoff. I'm sorry, not to a playoff, to at least a bowl game. And with this schedule, what is the magic number? What is, to your point, what is the number that Gamecock fans would be satisfied with? Is it five wins, six wins, seven, eight? But I don't know. But if you go this past year, we had pretty high expectations. I believe you thought the Gamecocks would win eight games, didn't seven, you? Seven or eight. Seven or eight. Well, they went Beamer's first year to seven and six, then eight and five, or I guess not. Yeah, first year seven and six, eight and five, and then this year regressed to five and seven. Mm-hmm. I just think there might be a little bit of extra pressure there to at least get back to 500, to at least get to a bowl game. So again, just reading between the lines at the approach Shane Beamer has taken in the transfer portal this offseason just leads me to believe that there's a little bit of sense of urgency there. Good points. Good points all. Um, The quarterback situation, and Chris, we haven't seen a whole heck of a lot of Lenore Sellers. And we've seen some Robbie Ashford, but I, I'm going to take a guess here that Sellers is a superior quarterback to Ashford. Now, Ashford's got the experience having played in the SEC a little bit, full season for the most part and parts of another. But just naturally talking about his skills, his size, his skills, and what he can do, uh, I got to think Sellers is the better quarterback. So we actually got disconnected from Chris momentarily. Apologies, right. but he's uh, he should be reconnecting. Well, let with me us answer here that for him. I'll answer for moment. I'll answer for Chris. Corn, you're exactly right. As always, I agree with you a hundred percent because nobody is smarter than you. Thank you, Chris. Great comments. Uh, back to the phones we go. Triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. We'll see if he actually would agree with what I just said for him when he joins us. Uh, let's go to um, where we're we going next. We're going to go to uh, G- uh, Jim. Jim on the uh, oh, the Isle of Palms. Hello, Jim, you lucky dog. Welcome into Sports Talk. Show. Um, I'll get to the Clemson Duke call in just a minute. But there's another there's another situation that needs to be cleaned up in college basketball. It's in the paint. Uh, just visualize this with me. Um, A one is the offensive player receives a pass down in the, in the post, and what does he do? He backs in the defensive player pushes him back mm-hmm. body to body um if you could call it got to call offensive foul on the on the um on the uh, center one time it would knock all that off okay if the defensive guy's got position on the center it's no different than a block charge that takes place 20 feet from the bat okay what's the difference there is no damn difference are you saying they're not you calling got, that are they not calling they need, that no they need to call it they need to call it yeah. and, and stop it the offensive player is getting an advantage. Next time you watch a game, just watch the, the, the offensive center and the defensive guy. They're just bumping and shoving and hunching each other, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Just call it. And, and it'll knock it off because the offensive player is definitely getting an advantage. That's my opinion. Okay, I did this for, I did this for 30 years. Sure. Now, let's, let's go to the Clemson-Duke game. What end of the floor was that call made on? Which call are you talking about? The last, the last foul was in uh, four tenths of a second. What end of the court was it on? And who, in front of whose bench? 
Yeah, in front of Duke's bench. In, no at, joke. at Duke's basket, yeah. Okay, there's only one official who had a clear shot at it. That was the center official, right? The trail didn't call it. The lead didn't call it. The center called it. With four-tenths of a second, put the damn whistle in your pocket and let the kids play ball. Come on. You got a foul. You got fouls all over the game, all over the court, the whole 40 minutes. What, four-tenths of a second? But Come how, on. How do you – I mean, okay, as an official – you're watching that play. Now, in my eyes, of course, I had the benefit of watching it over and over again on replay. And I thought Beetle fouled him twice. I thought he fouled him as he was coming across the lane, and I thought he fouled him. I thought the foul call was a good call, personally, from where I'm watching it. I thought his arms made contact with the shooter's arms. You don't see it that way. Now, let's go back to your first game. You said you saw a foul while he was in the lane. Why did he call that? Were they in a one-and-one? Were they – was was just a common foul, uh, um, but he gave the guy, you know, he called a second foul, as you just mentioned. Um, so you put him on the line with two shots with .4 seconds. Okay, you can't go back and review a foul, Phil. So they, they went back, and the only thing they reviewed was put six-tenths of a second back on the clock. Yeah, they gave him a second, yep. Okay. So he made, made two free throws, and that put them up by what, one point? Put them up by one. He made both. Okay, now, one second on the clock, they throw a long pass to the other end of the court. Did the center for Clemson get tripped up? Mm, I actually, you're not going to like me, but I mean, I, I actually I thought he, I, I thought Hall initiated the contact there. I thought he ran over the Duke defender. That's just how I watch it on television. I wasn't yeah, there. I just, I'm watching on television. I, I thought he going for the ball ran through the defender, but that's just how I looked at it. Well, I'm just saying, you know, fifty percent. On y'all made a comment earlier. I just came out of Catholic mass, so I, I didn't catch all your show. But someone <laughs> mentioned uh, every time you blow, yeah. they don't have us on. Every time they didn't have us on inside your church. No, you weren't. In, you weren't on the sermon tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's um, every time we blew the whistle, fifty percent of the people loved it. Fifty percent yeah. of the people have it. Um, if there was a foul that took place, and I only saw it once before the shot. Um, if that was called, well, I don't know whether they would have been a he, one-on-one. This was I before he went into his motion, before he went up. I thought, is he – now, they could have called a foul there. It was the double bonus, so he would have gotten two shots anyway. So it was double bonus as he was driving was, across was, the, the lane. It was over 10, right? It was over 10 fouls? Yes. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which well, I hate, by uh, the way, you know, but which I hate. I hate the double bonus. I, I The ideas I recall, and you'll probably know this, sir, better than me, that when they put the double bonus in, for some reason they thought that would cut down on fouling because teams yeah, that was would, stupid. Yeah, let's go back to one and ones at all times all and put a little more pressure on people. Let's let's throw a little bit more drama into the game there instead of just all this fouling down the stretch that slows the game down and stops the game. Let's go back to one and ones all the way through. What do you think? So, have you been to a high school game this year? No, sir. Well, I, I, I'm I'm 75 years old. I don't officiate anymore. But I went to one the other night, and I couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. In high school basketball, what I was able to pick up, once you reach five fouls, you go to a double, I believe you go to two shots. 
then you eradicate all the fouls for that half, and you don't have a one-on-one. You don't have one-on-ones anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the NBA rule. That's the, when it's the women's rule, too. That the women's rule, college too? College basketball, it, yep. Okay, I haven't been to a yeah. women's game. So um, it's just, um, you know, I think that, that there were three guys out there. One of them had the best look at it, and it was the center, center guy. Um, and Brad, what, what's the guy's name at Clemson? Brad Brown. I don't know. Yeah, he, he made a comment that he's had problems with that official before. Well, if, if he has, the supervisor should have not put that guy in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you can you can't, can blackball him. I was going to say, can't you blackball an official from working your game? Well, I'm sure I'm sure he's been blackballed now. <laughs> <laughs> no question. And, yeah, he won't work another Clemson game this year, and he might not work, in, work another game the rest of the year, or he might get suspended for three or four games. But yeah. – um, you know, there's a lot of calls that in a situation like that, you know, that I just leave it alone. Um, it just looked, it looked kind of funny to me. He was in front of the bench, of the Duke bench, down that end of the floor. And um, I, I just would have left it alone. Let the kid, let's, let it go to overtime. We had a hell of a game anyway. Let it go to overtime and let the kids play ball. Come on. All right. So, so thank um, you. Thank you very much. Have a good day. You sir. too, sir. Appreciate your comments. Great call. I love it when we have people who've actually been there, done that. Now, real quick, discuss y'all didn't it with us. Y'all, y'all mentioned the the foul calls, but nobody yet has mentioned the walk because that was the the part that I thought was wrong. There was I thought that Tyrese Proctor took at least three, if not four, steps before the foul call, and that's what I thought the mistake was there at the end. And I was a little surprised to hear Brad Brownell not talk about that, but I've probably watched that replay 40 times at this point, and it looks like a walk each time to and, me. And I, and I will say, uh, late in the game, I can't tell you exactly where it was, but Filipowski definitely went over the back. You remember that play? Well, Chris, you were calling the game. Yeah, uh, I didn't get to see any of yeah. it. I just listened to he, the tail end on the way home. He definitely went over the back. I think the official, the, the commentator said something about it. he avoided his fifth foul there. He definitely went over the back of uh, Clemson guys. Uh, and got away with a foul there. So yeah, there, there's a bunch of that stuff going to happen to you. That's why. But still, Clemson, you've got the ball. You had a chance with a four point lead with two minutes to go. All you got to do is protect the basketball and make your free yeah. throws. Protect the ball, and why it kept ending up in the hands of Shefflin. Somehow the ball ended up in his hands every time. Um, and he's a good player. I hate it for that kid because he's been a stalwart for Clemson this year he gives him everything he's got but for some reason he he he, he blew a, a brain gasket you know everything he did with the basketball was terrible down the stretch and a couple of those he had really good defensive rebounds and then it was almost like the either the outlet pass was poor on his part or the ball got knocked out of his hand but it was like he was making a really good hustle play and then just had a really bad play right after that and it just kind of kind of snowballed for him and now at this point we can talk about this till we're blue in the face, and Brad Brownell can. But at some point, you gotta let you gotta move on from this. Put this in the rear view, because if you let this distract you, and you have another horrible loss at Louisville like last year, you could have you could find yourself in a tailspin real quick. So they need to do a good job right now of just putting this behind you. It is what it is, and moving forward. Keep in mind, back in April, Graham Neff is on the record via Mark Ryan in the Upstate as saying. To him, that he reported that no tournament, no Brownell in the future for Clemson. So, talk about maybe feeling pressure. Um, well, Phil, they're going to have to win about ten more games, I think, at least. You think they got to win I mean, ten I, more games? Well, they're thirteen and six. 
and again, I'll go back mm-hmm. to what I've said for years, and I've developed this opinion based on fact that South Carolina and Clemson have to do more than other teams to get into the tournament. I mean, look what they did last year. They won 23 games. That wasn't enough. That's true. And their net, their net wasn't as good as it is this year. That's going to help them. And again, somebody's got to explain to me how you can lose a game. I don't care who you're playing. Hmm. And you move up in the net rankings. And South Carolina can win all their games last week, and they go down in the net rankings. <laughs> I just I, I don't get that in the least. And this is not a knock on Clemson. Right. They played a good Duke team on the road. But you, there should be value based on a win. You can't just play a team and move up. You, you should have to win that game, too. Uh, let me take a look at something real quick. Uh, the net. So, Clemson Clemson is uh, Clemson is uh, 28, and this does not ha- – well, see, okay, they have not – I don't know how much they improved over the last week that's been wiped out of this uh, report for some reason. And South Carolina's 50. Uh, I'm looking at Warren Nolan. Normally they have what's called net delta, which tells you how much a team has moved in one week. Mm -hmm. And let me see if I can find it somewhere else here in their their rankings. In the meantime, let's go back to the phones, and I'll look this up. Back to the phones, 888-898-2525. And we go to Woodruff to speak with Rofer. Rofer? That's supposed to say Roger. My bad, Rofer. (laughs) Sorry, Roger. It's got an F in there. Roger, welcome to Sports Talk. How are you? Hello, Roger. I wrote first. That's first. That's first. Hello? Hey, Roger. How you doing, man? Hey, hey good. How are you? Great. <laughs> I've been called a lot of things, but not Roper. That's yeah, first. sorry about that. <laughs> uh, from the Alapons to Woodruff, kind of the other end of the spectrum there but uh are you uh, are you anyway. telling me people aren't flocking to woodruff to to retire these days it's not a, a tourist mecca that's for sure it's not a retirement community we hear you we hear you uh, uh uh but well interesting thing over the weekend i was at home watching uh Furman at Walford on 62 up here and pete yandy was doing the play-by-play he does the, the Ingles socon game of the week yes each uh Saturday, I think. And uh, he says in the broadcast, it's during the second half, that speaking of big guys, look who just sat down beside us. And then they put the camera on him, and lo and behold, fresh from 21 points earlier in the afternoon, it was B.J. Mack. Mm-hmm. I he saw had, a picture of him up, there. up Yeah, he drove up from Columbia to, to watch his alma mater and his former teammates and, I guess, former interim coach last year, uh, I thought that was kind of neat. Absolutely. I, I thought that was real neat. That speaks volume for that young man. It speaks it volumes. It does. It does. That's, yep. that's all I wanted to say, though. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh. Appreciate that. Good hearing from you. Roffer, also known as Roger. <laughs> Roger the Roffer. All right, got to hit the break. Uh, more calls will come up after the bottom of the break, so stay on those lines. Uh, recruiting and some uh, Shane Beamer, too. A packed final half hour right around the corner. Be right back. All right, a couple of quick things, then back to your phone calls. 888-898-2525. Net rankings for 
State teams going into the week, Clemson is 28, USC is 50, Charleston is 115, Furman 144. Hang on, Chris, we'll get to you in a minute. Winthrop 166, Wofford 202, Citadel 251, PC 304. Hang on, Chris. Upstate 306, SC State 321, Coastal Carolina, there you are, 325. There we go. And Charleston Southern, 328. And we see we did that, we did that, uh, we talked about that. Uh, oh, keep in mind, I see people misconstrue this a lot. Just wanted to clarify. When it comes to voting, when you see a team like in South Carolina's case today for the AP ranking, they had 108. And some people say 108 votes. No, they had 108 points based on the votes that they received. So when somebody votes you 25th, you get one point. They vote you 24th, you get two points, and so on, on through the ranking. So South Carolina had 108 points today, and they were voted as high as ninth. 24 had them in the top uh, 25. Dick Vitale voted the Gamecocks 25th. 39 voters did not put them in the top 25. Must be the same people that voted them dead last in the SEC. Probably. At the preseason, you know, it's it's so ridiculous. And it goes back to what I said a few minutes ago about what the Gamecocks and Tigers, the, the challenges they face from national people, i.e. selection committee, voters, and the like. The AP voters are obviously surprised, to say the least, that the Gamecocks are actually good this year, and they don't want to admit they made a mistake and have been making a mistake here the last couple of weeks. You put South Carolina's resume and add, I don't know, North Carolina's name to it, and they're ranked. Oh, wait a minute. That would be a 17-3 and North Carolina team that is ranked. Hmm. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that the Gamecocks are nearly as good as the Tar Heels are. They deserve to be in the top five. But that gives you an idea. I think there are 15 teams in the AP Top 25 that have a worse record mm-hmm. than USC does. Yeah. And you look at the current standings in the SEC, the top five teams, Alabama, Tennessee, South Carolina, Auburn, Kentucky, all five are ranked except South, Car- South Carolina, who's third there. They're ahead of Auburn and Kentucky in the standings. Auburn's 16th, Kentucky's 10th. Well, take care of business this week. You exactly. won't have this conversation. Exactly. Former no, right. uh, Clemson and USC uh, assistant coach and Middle Tennessee State longtime head coach Rick Stockstill going to, back to his alma mater, Florida State, to work in an off-the-field position there, according to footballscoop.com. Okay, back to the phones for a few minutes, and then we'll hear from Shane Beamer right around the corner, and then recruiting, Triple T in Columbia. That's what his friends and family call him and those are few the rest of us know him as the abm the angry black man abm abm welcome in good afternoon uh, good uh, good evening whatever you want to say yes. first of all all these folks stop the shenanigans about the clemson basketball game brad brunel lost that game you had the ball with two minutes seven seconds there's no reason for you to call timeout Put somebody on the ball, and everybody else man-to-man, finally man. You're not going to get the call in Duke. Brad Brunel lost that game. You know, stop it, fans. Let it go. Next thing I want to say about the NFL, I'm sick and tired of any time a team get an interception and all of them run to the end zone to celebrate. Mm. That needs to get out of the game. I'm saying the same thing with the touchdown. And what caused that guy to, when he got the pass, flowers, he stared the guy down and get a 15-yard penalty. The NFL need to clean, clean it up. 
it's just a clown show now. That's the reason why I don't watch NBA basketball. I'm saying it anymore. So I'm saying it. Mm. I'm getting to the point. I don't want to watch professional football no more because it's a clown. It's a show. You know what I'm saying? That's all it is. So, you know, what it is, what it is, you know, look here. Mm. Tell Carolina fan, stop telling put Shane Beam on the hot seat. Carolina ain't going to never make the playoff. <clears throat> you got to be in the top t- uh, 12 next year. And I'm going to explain to everybody. The, 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 the four-power conference going to get an automatic bid. Then the power five going to get one. Then you got seven at large. The SEC not going to get four teams in the playoffs. So stop saying Mississippi, LSU, all of them not. So it's going to be the top 12 team make the playoff. Okay? That's the way it's going to work, folks. See you down the road. And like I said, Clemson and Florida State better keep their butt in the ACC to be able to make the playoff. Because they go to if they go to SEC or the Big Ten, they can kiss it goodbye, buddy. They'll never make it. See you down the road. Triple T, trash talking tiger. Hello. Thank you, ABM. Great stuff. I like it when he gets right to the point. Let's go to uh Ron up in Greenville. Ron, good evening. Welcome to Sports Talk. How are you? Well, I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Great. Great to have you with us. Good fair. You've never seen me mad, have you? Um, a couple of times after uh, some games, I've seen you a little irritated. But uh, what what yeah. what got under your skin this time? That Duke Clemson game, I got I got mad. Sure, uh, and I watch it. I'm watching it right now. The Brad Burnell show on CBS mm-hmm. Channel Seven. But uh, the guy walking right before the shot. I mean, guy, you got to call that. You got to call that. Then uh, maybe call what and foul half court. I don't know about that one. But there was a lot of calls both ways that uh, probably shouldn't have been called. Well, I know uh, you went to the foul line. The last seven times they had the ball, they shot 13 foul shots. Mm-hmm. But that's not that's not average. <clears throat> oh, hey, you still with me? Yeah, we're listening. Okay, but you know, I was pretty mad about that. But not as mad as I was today. I called the ACC and I complained about that. You did so not. Much. You did not. I, I did. So much they hung up on me. <laughs> <laughs> you go get them, Ron. You go get them. Yeah. yeah, you know, when I did the radio, I never could get that mad. But now that I'm not doing it anymore, I can let it let her rip. <laughs> All right, Ron. Good hearing from you. Okay, and I appreciate all the uh, Clemson guys calling complain about that, too. They have been. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. I think he got through to Jim Phillips. I don't I mean, know. Who, who did he call at the I, ACC he office? He just called 1-800-ACC. We got a whistle you don't, I guess. That's what maybe, he called. Maybe you he know? got a hold of a former colleague of ours, Kevin Davis, who former oh. SID at Coastal Carolina. You know, Kevin's now working yes, for the Atlantic Coast Conference. Kevin's like, maybe I didn't sign up for this. I didn't <laughs> sign up for taking calls from Ron, angry Clemson fans. I didn't sign up for this. All right, we've got to jump in here, and uh, I want to play the Shane Beamer for you because when football coaches talk, we like to listen. 
Uh, then we'll do some recruiting. We'll try to squeeze in some calls here at the very end. But let's go to Shane Beamer. After uh, he introduced his newcomers, something they do every year at South Carolina during one of the home football games, after he introduced the mid-year enrollees, he met with the media downstairs in the bowels. I mean, we were deep in the bowels of the CLA, and he talked about what he was looking for in his new special teams coordinator. Somebody that can make us even better than what we've been already. Uh, kind of what goes back to when I first hired Pete, and some people said, well, you're a special teams guy. Why wouldn't you do it yourself? And I said, well, I didn't feel like I could hire the best person in the country. I would have, and I felt like I did with Pete. Um, if the thing continues to trend like it looks like it's going to, I feel like we've had a, made a grand slam hire potentially with what I was looking for, somebody that could make us better. Um, I certainly thought about doing it myself. You had We had different ways to structure it, whether it be me doing the special teams myself or breaking it up amongst the staff and hiring another defensive coach or hiring an offensive coach or whatever can make us better from a football standpoint, recruiting standpoint, offense, defense. I'm looking at everything. And, and in the end, I just felt like um, – to this point, I've only interviewed two people for this special teams position, so it wasn't like I was going to cast a wide net just to hire a guy to hire a guy. It would have to be somebody that I felt like was a grand slam hire, and if I was able to make that, then I would hire a special teams coach, and if not, I would look at plan B, but I don't think we're going to have to do plan B. And plan B is okay, too. There's nothing wrong with that. I just felt like plan A was a little bit better. Did you find the Beamer Ball moniker excited candidates or intimidated them? <laughs> excited. Um, I think anytime you're a special teams coach, you want to, if you're going to be a special teams coordinator, you want to be with a head coach that emphasizes special teams. And people know that I do. You know, I kid, I kidded Pete when he was here. Like, Pete got more meeting time and practice time than anywhere that I've ever been, and that included working for my dad. Uh, so uh, that attracted a lot of people, and what we've done as a coach, that excites you being able to go somewhere where you've got a great uh, tradition, reputation, whatever you want to call it, and then having a chance to you know, be involved, and then you know you have your head coach's backing. A year ago, you brought in Dowell, uh, who had plenty of NFL experience. What does it what does it mean for a group of kids when they know a guy is coming from the NFL and is coached at the highest level? Well, that would be hypothetically speaking because um, we hired Dow. We've got some NFL guys, but I think anytime you bring in a guy with NFL um, experience, to me, they're a fantastic coach. Uh, I mean, there's great coaches at the college level. There's great coaches at the NFL level. But if you're a veteran from the NFL ranks, you know what you're doing. Otherwise, you wouldn't have lasted that long. Uh, the knowledge that you're able to bring. It helps from a recruiting standpoint um, that you know, these guys have been at the level that you all aspire to get to as well. But it's, I think it's, it's easier said than done because a lot of NFL guys, they've never recruited before. Sterling Lucas had never recruited a day in his life and you hire, when we hired him from the NFL, and he's been fantastic for that for us from that standpoint. So you may be a great NFL coach, but if you can't relate to 18 and 19, 20-year-old young men or really 16 and 17 in recruiting and you don't have the ability to recruit, I don't care how good a coach you are, it's, it's hard. So to me, it's finding that balance of guys that can recruit, relate to younger players and people and um, love the grind of recruiting or, or want to learn about the, lot, the grind of recruiting and then can help on the field as well. Hey, Shane, with, with Nick Harbour and his track schedule, what, what's his workload like this spring? Yeah, Nick's been awesome. He came to us and, and was like, I want to be a, 
I'm a track. I want to be a track athlete. I want to help us win a championship in track, but I don't want to miss out on anything football wise. So he has been awesome. It's not like he just goes to track and then we see him every once in a while. He's involved with football every day. Now we're smart with his meets. He's out in, I guess they're in Arkansas right now. He's out in Arkansas. We didn't have him here yesterday morning doing bear crawls and sled pushes as well but he wants to be in the meetings he wants to be around the football team we had a 6 a.m workout uh two mondays ago that he didn't have to be at because he wasn't participating in it but he came at 6 a.m to be there for his teammates so i've sat down with the track coaches we got a great uh, working relationship and he's uh he's mixing both but he's still heavily involved with football and then when we get into the spring hail it'll be similar he'll be limited in the spring he wants to practice and be involved but we're just going to be smart how we do it with track speaking of the other teams just how exciting is the energy around gamecock athletics right now with how the teams are doing recently yeah it's uh it's been awesome it really is and i meant what i sit out there just recruiting i go into high schools and and uh the impact that our men's team had their win the other night watched so many players i was at a high school in alabama yesterday and the high school basketball coach told me that he texted his team in the middle of dawn's game and said if you're not watching this south carolina women's basketball game right now stop what you're doing and turn the channel and put it on because it's high level basketball um you know so many people across the country have respect for dawn have respect for what lamont's doing have respect for just gamecock athletics in general so it certainly helps when everybody's winning and we have environments and atmospheres like this and this arena it's uh it's a win-win for everybody keep hunter from running on the court i did i did we were trying not to get trampled ourselves and i pulled him out of the way and i was having to having to hold him back he uh he loved it but what what an awesome night that was and it helps to know have no people that have good seats down there and happen to be and happen to be out of town and give them to me now that you've seen the group of transfers working some how do you feel about them overall love them love them and not just saying that and they they've made us better it's a uh i think phil there's a maturity about this group that you can tell already not that we were immature last last year but it's a it's a very mature group it's a hungry group you know we vote on we do game captains during the season so the coaches decide on who the captains are going to be each week and then at the end of the season we let the players vote on captains uh, who the permanent captains are and of our top 12 vote getters off of last year's team i think seven of them are returning you know, when you talk about Debo Williams and Boogie and so many of those guys. So we got a lot of leadership coming back. And then these new transfers, there's a there's a maturity and a hunger about them that has already made our team better uh, in, in workouts and on and off the field. Feel like- all right, Shane Beamer, as he talked with us on Saturday, all of it's up on our website. That was most of it, but all of it's on the website, sportstalksc.com. And also, of course, up in podcast form where we keep our podcasts on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you can put a podcast. I think that pretty much uh, fills up the podcast venues. We'll hit the break and come back with some recruiting and then wrapping up. I think we'll have time for a, a final call or two. We'll do our best to get to them back after the break. We're with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer is hunting season in South Carolina this fall, and folks need to be prepared from a legal standpoint. That's right, Phil. Everyone always needs to buy their hunting license or fishing license. Everyone always worries about losing their license. Well, now that's not a problem anymore because you can keep your license on your phone. That's right. Go Outdoors SC. It's an app. Look for it on your Apple or Android devices. You can buy your license. You can renew your boat registration, and it's all right there on your phone. Remember, 
Go Outdoors SC in your app store. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. When trouble comes like the accidents do We all get sick and the bills pile too There's only one number that can help see you through And if you're healthy, here's what you should do Call 605-7905 That's the number that you need to know 605-7905 Zero dollar deductible What's a deductible, you say? That's the price you have to pay before the insurance will say we'll help you. They keep that number out of reach because they know that you won't reach that number because they know you're healthy. 605-7905. Zero dollar deductible. 605-7905. 727 is the area code. All right, recruiting time brought to you by Seawells. Hey, the very best in the catering business, that is Seawells. Boy, they've been doing it for so long. I mean, they've been in business so long, they could have been the the caterers at my bar mitzvah back in 1969. But we didn't know about sea wells in Latta back then. We had south of the border, you know. But <laughs> what else did you need? <laughs> <laughs> and and that was family run, so I'm sure we got a discount. Um, but you don't have that kind of uh, luxury at your fingertips, so you need to call Sea Wells to come and handle uh, everything for that special occasion of yours. That phone number is eight zero three seven seven one seven three eight five online at Sea Wells Catering SC. Dot com And, of course, the Daily Lunch and Buffet off and running this week, Pat, 11 to 2. And I know we got a big week ahead of us left, Tuesday through Friday. We do. Seawells was actually closed today, but they're reopening tomorrow the 30th with carved turkey with cornbread dressing, barbecue chicken, and then fried fish nuggets. 
Wednesday, southern fried chicken, pulled pork, and this, I don't know if I've seen on the menu before, teriyaki glazed salmon, which sounds fantastic. I think you'd like to say fresh caught in the uh, congaree, in right? In the congaree, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Thursday, fried, ooh, this has my name all over it, fried pork chops, shrimp alfredo, ooh. grilled hamburger steak and onions. Oh, fantastic. You can put gravy on all that. And then closing out the week with a roast beef Friday, along with southern fried chicken and baked flounder filet. Can't beat it. 11 to 2, only $14 at Seawells across from the fairgrounds. All right, recruiting. This morning, defensive tackle Isaiah Campbell of Durham, North Carolina, 6'5", 265, announced his commitment to Clemson coming off the weekend, but he actually had committed a couple of weeks ago silently to the Tigers. And uh, he had 16 sacks, 27 tackles for loss last season. He is ranked this way by the recruiting networks. Rivals four-star, 98th nationally, fifth in his position, third in his state 24-7 has him a four star 72nd nationally fifth at his position fourth in his state on three has him as a four star 79th nationally seventh at his position and third in his state he gives Clemson 11 commitments in the class second for the interior defensive line earlier Sunday the Tigers picked up two offensive linemen, offensive guard Jalen Beckley, 6'4", 290 out of Addison, Texas, and offensive tackle Braden Jacobs out of Buford, Georgia, 6'7", 310. Beckley was offered by former offensive line coach Thomas Austin, and then when Matt Luke came on board, he jumped on him quickly. The two hit it off, and it went on from there. He is a uh, four-star by Rivals, a three-star by On3, a three-star by 24-7 Sports, which didn't have anything on him as far as a ranking until after he committed, which makes you wonder about these numbers, but I'd, I'm sharing them with you. And that's son of former Giants great running back Brandon Jacobs. That's correct. Well, no, that's I'm getting to him. Oh, I'm still bad. talking about Beckley. Uh, Beckley uh, is ranked 30th, 34th, and 29th by the networks at his uh, position. Now to Jacobs, six seven three ten. He is the son of the big running, running uh, the big strong running back Brandon Jacobs, out of Buford, Georgia. Clemson offered last summer, and he was in to see a game in September. Uh, South Carolina was among his other offers, and he is a, a, a four star by the networks. Um, he is ranked. His best ranking is a hundred and third by rivals nationally. And his best ranking within his position is number 12 by rivals as well. Offensive tackle Matt Waldrip of Phoenix City, Alabama, was at Clemson Saturday. Very good visit. Enjoyed visiting with Dabo Sweeney and the new offensive line coach. He has also been to Auburn, plans to go to Alabama this weekend. Long snapper Gunnar Yoakum of Phillips Simmons accepted a PWO offer from USC. He's the young man who's a cancer survivor and was granted a fifth season of football eligibility prior to last season by the high school league. You might remember us talking about that. Running back Neil Salvage of Charlotte accepted a PWO offer from the Gamecocks. White Knoll linebacker Jaden Kimball committed to Kennesaw State. Receiver Stephen Collier of River Bluff was at Florida Saturday. 2028 running back Michael Martin of Christ Church was at Florida State over the weekend. USC offensive coordinator quarterback coach Dowell Loggins 
was up in Finley, Ohio today to visit with quarterback Ryan Montgomery. And USC is in the top 12 with receiver Caleb Cunningham of Ackerman, Mississippi. I'll do it for recruiting. If we can move very quickly, we can get a few seconds in from uh, Keith in Camden. If he can go about 30 seconds. Keith, you got 30. Hey, Phil, real quick, and then y'all can comment tomorrow. You take before the Arkansas-Kentucky men's basketball game, uh, what was our ranking then and how – I think you said it was 50-something this week. So yeah, I think – Explain I, that's, that. Yeah, they they dropped – from one day to the next, they dropped like two spots in the, uh, in the net. We'll have to figure it out tomorrow. 